Namaste. My name is Preeti Chaudhary and you are watching LinkedIn Member Spotlight COVID Warriors Meds for More with Dr. Marcus Rani and Dr. Rena Mehta Rani. A very good evening and a warm welcome to both of you. First of all, thank you for your frontline service and how are you both doing today? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having us, Preeti. Yeah. Absolute pleasure. Such a harrowing time that has been going on for the past 14 months. I don't think anybody other than you can understand that to the right of its root and the smallest of nuances, you know. Um, Marcus, I would like to sort of start this conversation with you. Last year, you were a volunteer with BMC, which is the Brahan Mumbai Metropolitan Corporation. And you were working at the front line in the slums during the peak of the first wave. Could you please help us understand a little bit of those experiences, those emotions? Because I think it is extremely important to share lived experiences and hear it from medical practitioners who've been there, done it all, seen it all. Over to you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's very surreal to think that it was just over a year ago and we all thought that, um, well, none of us really knew how long it would last. And the fact that we still feel like we're in that situation one year out and all of us have aged considerably, I think, in the last 12 months compared to many years gone by. I'd been out of clinical medicine for well over a decade by that point in time. Once I left the UK and moved to India, as you know, Priti, I've been more and more involved in business and the, the other side of health and well-being. And uh, I just felt that it was the right thing to do, that I had a set of skills that was very, very important for our species. And uh, we, of course, discussed the risks at home. We've got two young kids and what it would mean for us and everything around us. But we did what we could to mitigate. And honestly, those four months were probably amongst the most purpose-filled work that I've ever done. Um, going deep into communities in Mumbai and for people who are watching, they may remember that last March and April is when the pandemic really started to hit India, it started very slow and then it ramped up very quickly. And the slums in Mumbai were, were our hotspots. Taravi was the hotspot for COVID. And so I was uh, uh, assigned to the area between Worli and Dadar, which is in Mumbai going into slum communities. And this is even before we had wide-scale testing available in those days. And it seems so strange to even think about now. We had less than 100 tests per city per day uh, available. So most of the work was based truly on clinical history taking alone, identifying people with symptomatic disease, coughs, colds, etc and then triaging the most important of them to then go and get one of those valuable tests or the rest of them managing in the community through isolation and, and symptomatic relief. So that was a, a really interesting time now looking back and how much we've progressed since then. We've got tests available, we've got contact tracing available, we've got apps now, we've got so many more medications available as well. It really seems like it was a different time altogether, but I'm so grateful that I was in a position to, to do that service. Thank you so much for that, Marcus. And once again, no amount of Thanksgiving can be enough for that. Dr. Rena, I would like to understand from you, you were also going to your clinic, you were serving there. 
what was the scene like what was the general sentiment of the very young or the very old you know who sort of uh, did not know what to do where to go because i mean for that matter we did not even have half the knowledge of what we have 13 months on what was your yeah. experience like over to you so, yeah so like you said i mean it was uh, it was a time where everything was very new we all were very scared even when marcus decided to go volunteer as a frontline worker it was a scary time for us because we knew so little of covid at that time um so yeah and like with two young kids at home i mean like we really had to discuss this and give it a lot of thought before saying okay you know this is an important step so go ahead and do that uh similarly with clinical practice i think initially um everyone was really scared the practitioners were scared patients were scared so nobody was actually coming into the clinic but um as things started to open up a little bit uh we didn't have a choice but to uh you know start going into the clinic of course we were kitted out in our ppes taking all the precautions and doing going out there and just doing what we really had to do you know and then the unthinkable happened marcus you contracted please take us through that experience because again i would like to stress if we've not been through that we do not know the psyche the uh, mental status the health the physical emotional all of those aspects if we have not gone through that uh, covid ourselves so please share that experience because i think it is extremely important for the audience to hear that from you over to you thank you priti i went through something that millions of people in india have had you know we've unfortunately lost 300000 of our fellow citizens because of this virus and each of us has a, a different experience and a different story but um, but sure there's always suffering and illness at the base of it uh, mine was a slightly complicated scenario because actually the diagnosis wasn't made until well into week 3 uh it's ironic right even though i'm a doctor and i'm surrounded by such great access to to folks the symptoms were not the typical covid symptoms it started with the fever which was just unrelenting very severe pain in my back and my body um but the fever had a particular uh, uh pattern which was suggestive of malaria so we went down that rabbit hole because the covid test came negative at that early time so we tested for malaria still nothing chikungunya dengue is it some form of hepatitis nothing was coming and then eventually one morning in week 3 when i decided that i just needed some fresh air because i'd been in bed for so long and i went on this walk down around the corner that's when i suddenly had this very strange sensation in my chest and and shortness of breath and um and sweating and i immediately knew something isn't right this is not me i'm a you know you know me i'm a run marathon runner i can keep running till that the sun goes down but um i immediately went for an x-ray uh i saw the result myself it was clearly something going on abnormal on the left side uh and uh, very fortunate that a, a a friend of mine is a is a radiologist at a at a center here so i spoke to him on the phone He said, "Marcus, you got to go in immediately. Get a CT scan." And he knew that I was doing this frontline work. 
And long story short, I had a very atypical presentation of COVID, which may have been from what I was being exposed to, uh, the different types of environments that I was going in, the fact that I was in contact with like domesticated animals and, and poultry, et cetera. It just complicated the image. Uh, but then eventually a clinical diagnosis was made. I was started on steroids, um, a whole bunch of medicines. Uh, I developed a few other complications, which I won't get into, but uh, it took me a long time to get back. And a lot of those complications revolved around the fact that I lost a lot of strength in my right leg and my left leg as well. Uh, luckily, of course, there was an in-house uh, medic and uh, a physiotherapist here. So she was able to keep track. She was doing tests on my nerves on a daily basis to see how, how far that disease had gone. Uh, and, uh, and through a lot of uh, rehabilitation and reconditioning, I was able to get back into doing what I, what I love. Uh, and yeah, I'm reminded of the fact that, as again, I say that a lot of people have suffered and, and my suffering is no different. Um, but through this process, I learned something very important, Priti, in that suffering is just part of the human expression. It's the manifestations may change, but we all face it. Everyone we meet is suffering to some degree. They may just not talk about it. And what I learned was that it's how we respond in that challenge that, that ultimately decides the fate and the direction that we want to go into. So I told myself something simple. I said, you know, Marcus, how often is it that a runner gets to learn how to run again? And it started from walking and then jogging and all that stuff. I remember the first uh, walk that Rainer took me on Marine Drive. Uh, it took me 58 minutes to do 2.8, 2.9 kilometers. It was a very, very slow, painful walk. But four months later, on the same stretch of road, I completed a half marathon in a personal best time. Uh, and that was uh, something I was I was really proud of. It's not a full marathon. It's, it's, it's I mean, I say it's only 21, but uh, it's something that I know what I had to go through to complete it. So uh, so that's my journey and that's that's what I learned. Thank you so much for being so transparent and open about that, Marcus. Totally appreciate it. Rena, that brings me to you. Two young children at home. Somebody, uh, you know, your husband who's contracted COVID and you are at the same time working outside, uh, kids at home, husband not well. What was going on through your mind your heart and the overall household please take us down that memory lane it'll help thank you yeah so it was of course a very stressful time because like i mentioned earlier covid was all very new at that time we didn't really know what to expect out of it and like marcus mentioned he had a very atypical uh, set of presentations uh, he had his COVID, his RT-PCRs also came negative a couple of times. So we didn't really know what we were dealing with. Um, so it was, um, we went through like a whole bunch of diagnosis and finally he was clinically diagnosed as COVID. Um, so yeah, it was really stressful when we finally learned that it was COVID. Uh, we... Uh, it, it was, uh, we weren't sure, we weren't sure whether we were going to get it, whether the kids were going to get infected with it. Um, but finally, when we spoke to the doctors and we had these lengthy conversations with them and we understood that given the nature of the way he developed it, 
his risk of infecting us and others in the household was very minimal that was a huge relief so at least we knew that we were okay i was also uh, stressed because i was seeing patients of course i had stopped seeing them for a period of time till we figured out what was going on but once i learned that you know the risk of uh, you know me infecting anyone else is really minimal i did actually once marcus got a little better start going and seeing patients um and you know got right back to work um it was uh, it was like marcus said a long long period of from day 1 to him actually getting out through the whole thing um but once we were over that acute phase we both just took it in a very positive manner and we said okay you know what this has happened other people have dealt with it we're over the worst and we're just going to you know do whatever we can to get out of this and you know get you back to normal I actually joked with Marcus once while we were going for a run because he's he was a really fast runner and I'm much slower when I run. So I actually said that you know I'm loving this because now we both can actually run at the same pace. <laughs> so yeah, so that was something that was we used to just joke about, uh, and that's also what got us through this. Fantastic! I think along with uh, you know rehabilitation medicine medicine humor is also something that sees humans through i think the worst of anything and everything and that sort of brings me back to you marcus 2020 has been a whole transition year you know transition for the entire mankind and personally for you transition from a corporate life into becoming an entrepreneur and then the reason why i'm talking about all of this is because you know a lot of people have sort of uh, because of so much going around uh, people are uh, taking it very differently they do not know what to do risk taking has gone all the time low and i think it is important to talk about how people actually can make things happen even during the worst of situations so please take us through your transition journey a little bit because that will i think set the context for the next piece that i have in mind over to you thank you pretty people talk about resilience and i think that's been a big big buzzword in the year 2020 but the word that i've been so adhered to is this idea of anti fragility uh talib the, the economist spoke about it first and i just think that this always in the face of challenge and adversity we as biological creatures have the ability to come out much stronger it's how evolution works after all in the same way So for me 2020 was about leaning in wherever I could and doing whatever I can but it also set about and I suppose maybe being unwell for such a long period of time allowed me the opportunity to reflect and really think about my priorities and what I wanted to do uh, and uh, and so I decided that it was the right time to make a professional change as well I think the grand realization that the world had in 2020 was the competitive advantage that well-being plays in our lives at the individual level at the organizational level and at the systems level and therefore I thought okay if this is going to be the narrative for a long period of time and I clearly have the right uh uh experience uh, and interest uh, and passion for this subject then what can i do to make the world a better place in the years to come uh and so my journey uh journey really started i i've as you know i've i've founded uh two specific ventures looking at two very different aspects of health and well-being 
one which is roots on life which is the well-being of individual people uh, human edge which is the same name as my book but it's also the platform which works with many corporates i'm sure many of your audience uh, watching this uh, folks that we work with as well to promote this idea of longevity of well-being of peak performance at the workplace and finally the work that i do more through the academic sphere through the atlantic council the world economic forum and other types of media publications is really looking at well-being of systems whether that's the climate crisis whether it's the role of humanizing technology uh there are many other facets to that which uh, which i try and get myself involved in space is another big area that i'm going to be more and more involved in human space flight uh so connecting those dots uh with a common understanding that health and well-being is central to that uh and uh, and just furthering humanity's journey along that fantastic and i have been seeing that journey with my own eyes so i absolutely get it where you were and where you are in the last 6 or 8 months itself you know so that's totally commendable well done you marcus and that sort of natural you know, warmly welcome that sort of turns you know so 2020 turns into 21 everything is hunky dory january february come march and it goes down the drain second wave is here same old same old but this time only more drastic rena uh, what do you think um, you know what were your experiences and then i will go to marcus but you know second time around the variation the mutation had happened and so many things what was it like for you living in mumbai where it was one of the worst hit areas of the entire country over to you yeah so uh, like you said that it i mean we thought things were we were um, we were past the worst of it and i don't think many of us saw the second wave coming and hitting us this hard um so of course in march when you know the news started getting worse with all uh, you know covid all around us we were hearing a lot about it then we started seeing so much of it around us because there were uh, people all around us falling sick uh, marcus of course was getting a lot of calls his phone was flooded with messages and calls from people not only from india but all over the world just asking him for advice because doctors were so busy they were so occupied they weren't actually able to attend to their patients so uh you know i was actually seeing it first hand through marcus's eyes and i was also seeing it in my patients not directly because i'm not a frontline worker but we were seeing a lot of people having post covid complications coming into the clinic so you know problems with their chest and with their breathing problems just generally with strength and post covid myalgia so it was all very real for us you know covid was very close to home and then we were seeing the devastation that the second wave was bringing all around us as well so um it it was really sad to see uh, all of this happening around us and uh, we were trying whatever we could in our own little way to help uh, marcus was of course helping i was doing whatever i could from my end and then one day uh, we just had a small conversation a small idea out of which meds for more was born and um, we'll we'll tell you more about that uh, and how that happened as well absolutely and that brings me back to marcus marcus 
you'd had that experience in the first wave when you compare the first wave to the second wave in your medical and personal observations what were the critical differences and why did everything go so haywire what was the root cause and share your experiences please over to you sort of at a medical biological level there were some factors which contributed right the first and and this has been well documented and spoken about there's clearly a increased transmissibility with this so called india uh, the maharashtra variant which is the b1617 or the 17.2 much more infectious much more able to be transmitted between individuals secondly we saw particularly in the first two weeks of the second wave was that children were being much more affected luckily it was still mild they were self limiting usually treated with two or three days of paracetamol but there were clearly some differences between what we'd seen the first time and what we were seeing the second time also just anecdotally the second time around uh compared to the first time if there was a member of the house who had covid it was maybe the one person maybe two this time around if one person in the house had covid the entire house had covid and a lot of my patients were literally five six people in an apartment that were all falling sick at the same time so there were clearly medical issues you know if we then look at societal uh, challenges india really brought on a lot of this itself right there was a high degree of of uh, of complacency uh, and and hubris that that we went through the vaccine was available but people weren't very forthcoming they weren't going to have the vaccine we did not adopt covid behaviors we had large cricket matches we had large convenings of people we had you know all the other stuff that everyone is fully aware of what was going on for a variety of reasons so this happened we were ill prepared we didn't take the learnings from the first time around we didn't have enough infrastructure that could be turned on overnight and so unfortunately a lot of people have suffered now part of the rationale between how i believe this idea for meds for more even came about was the understanding that covid affects lives but it also affects livelihoods it affects the daily uh, wage earners ability to earn a living the cost of medicines are hugely stacked against those individuals who have no affordability because a strip of faviflu or cost of faviflu costs anywhere between 2 to 3000 rupees which is almost a monthly salary for a lot of people etc and then you look at the health inequity which exists in a country like india it's really a tale of two cities and when you look at the out of pocket expenses for health 45% of that is because of the cost of medicine so all of these were just thoughts and probably subconscious ideas which were going on in the head and then one afternoon may the first it was a saturday i think it was and a member of our domestic health his son tested positive on the rt pcr and so he called and he said can i bring the report i said of course and when he was coming ryan and i were talking about how can we help and that's when i realized that in the building that we live in i had three patients who i was seeing and all of whom had just finished their quarantine so i put a message on the building group and i said guys anyone with any leftover medicine at home just send it to me and if it's okay i'll check it and then i'll i'll pass it on to someone who needs it and that's when we realized that if one building can come together to save one life then imagine what an area could do imagine what a city could do or even what a country can do for its people absolutely right you know i mean so inspiring and so amazing between the two of you please 
take me through exactly what this initiative is all about and what are some of the milestones that you have achieved so far i'm sure there's a lot that is going on there but i would really like to know a few of the most important things whether it is a short term uh, sort of an initiative or a long term initiative and some of those milestones and then i will sort of expand on that over to you guys thank you okay so meds for more as you know it started with just a very small simple idea and then we uh, decided to do this for our local neighborhood from there on it just kind of exploded we started getting we started getting requests from people all over the city uh, you know asking us to be a part of this initiative because people uh, just resonated with it it was such a simple idea to provide uh, unexpired leftover medicines that people had in their homes and just donated to those who could not afford or access these medicines and i think the simplicity of the idea um was something that people really loved they resonated with it and they felt that it was something they could also replicate and help us with and i think that's why the initiative just took off and uh, now we have more than 150 volunteers all over bombay uh, maybe more than that even contributing towards this initiative the number keeps growing every day we've also reached um you know outside bombay a lot of cities we've gone live in in fact four other cities in addition to bombay which is delhi calcutta ahmedabad and bangalore so we're there as well and um we have uh, city teams who are now in charge of uh, those cities as well we help them um you know we give we we just give them the model that we're following and then um they they do the same the similar thing for their cities and plug into um certain collection centers and from there from the collection centers these medicines go towards our ngo partners from where they reach the rural areas and help the people in need so we've grown from a very small idea to almost becoming something that's a pan india movement and markers help me understand the corporate side of it you know but before that take us through any other milestones that are in the offing that are waiting in the wings and then we we'll sort of understand the business side of it here was rena telling us absolutely about the spot on human connect the emotion side the identification side of it please take us through the other side of it as well because in totality i think this makes a lot of sense and the long term sort of plans that you have for this initiative over to you thank you essentially what we've created is a channel it's a channel connecting people who have with people who need the problem we're solving for right now is accessibility and affordability of medicines for covid but one can easily imagine the same channel the same energy being directed towards another disease like malaria or cardiovascular disease or diabetes or even a, a famine or a drought or another type of natural calamity right so that's the first idea that we really discovered what was actually coming together this energy of people is basically and that's why someone even called us the robin hood mission is taking it from where there is to where where it's required now there's clearly a lot of emotional aspects to this but well the the, the area that i actually focus my energies on is is the is the templatization of what we're trying to do because it's it's not 
uh, it's 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 very difficult mission for sure but there are lots of things that need to be overcome you know you're collecting medicines and medicine is being moved into a collection center that medicine then needs to make its way to an ngo an ngo needs to have the right license to check the medicine to segregate the medicine to package it to then dispense it to parts of india that needs it it then needs to be prescribed under the right uh, laws and prescription requirements etc so there are lots of things that have to happen in this process and so we're very grateful that so many partners have come forward we've got mobility partners which are helping in moving these things from the donor all the way through to the actual recipient at the other end we've got technology partners which are providing infrastructure tech infrastructure so we've got a really nice very simple not very not very beautiful but it's simple website called www.medsformore.org people can visit the site depending on their city they insert what they're looking to give they get a coupon code for a delivery partner to come and pick it up and then that medicine then goes down through this process so we've had partners that that had to have been brought on board the right ngos of course the right diligence around ngos to make sure that these then reach the people in the right conditions free of cost um you know that's of course very important that there's no uh sort of uh, mal adaptive behavior going on through the process as well so that's that's been a that's been a challenge and i never ever imagined that i would be creating a pan india micro logistics platform that was never part of my job description it's certainly not a lecture that i ever had at med school uh but nonetheless you know needs must when the, when the when it's required so so we've we're very fortunate we've had now in bombay alone over 200 kilograms of medicine we're going to be doing the first round of collections in the other thank you in the other five cities that were live over the weekend uh we've got thousands of volunteers actually across every part of india of course we are active in five cities but there are so many cells that are now cropping up in other parts of the country which are being inspired by this act and they're acting locally as well and so i'm so i'm so happy to see that happen uh as well this whole idea of giving and the last thing that i'll mention pretty specifically because of your audience as well is we now have corporates who are reaching out to us so hdfc sales is one of them they're going to be activating this across the country almost 8000 employees across the country will be given the opportunity to act as our ambassadors which you can thank you for bringing that up you can see on the right hand side of this website so people can act as ambassadors they're going to be collection boxes in the various offices once the offices start to open after june the 1st so that's a great thing we've got technology companies uh, there's a there's an american firm uh called dp and they'll be going live uh for another 2000 sorry gp uh they'll be going live for another 2000 employees across the country we've got the prestige group in bangalore which have set up 16 collection centers in all of their gated communities so you know we just cannot believe the fact that people are just so forthcoming we're just inspired and that's what gives us the energy to do this frankly we've got full time jobs we've got kids uh but we know that so many people out there want to help uh, so if there's anyone else watching who wants to participate you can reach out to us on linkedin and we'll be more than happy to 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 try and bring you into the fold and you know what that is what was going through my head just now as you were speaking this along with fully practicing running a home 
children under six years of age. You know, I think it is truly a Robin Hood kind of an initiative where everybody is involved. And I think collaborations have just come in because the idea is so simple, but yet nobody's ever thought about it. So kudos to both of you, Marcus and Rena, for actually not only thinking, but more importantly, executing it. You know, so thank you for that. Long-term vision, folks, what is it? You know, because the website also talks about um, sort of creating impact while reducing waste. What exactly do you mean by that? Over to you. So uh, the creating impact while reducing waste stems from the very simple idea that we want we wanted this initiative to be about donating leftover medicine. So we didn't want people to buy we didn't want people to donate money, but we simply wanted them to give us what they already had in their homes and um, have, you know, have that go to people who had neither the access nor the affordability. Uh, so, so that is what we really want to focus our energies on. And even going forward, as Marcus mentioned, even if meds for more, uh, if it's not COVID today, but it's something like malaria or another disease tomorrow, um, this could be a really great idea going forward whereby people donate what they have and that reaches people who need. Absolutely spot on. I mean, yeah, impact and reducing waste totally sort of stand out right there because the long term mission, what is jumping out to me is to, like you're saying, you know, to make medicines more accessible to the larger population that does not have access. So. Thank you again for doing this. Now, then again, um, you know, with March sort of came the peak and with April and now we are into May, slowly coming into June, there seems to be like a valley again uh, that's sort of coming in. And we ourselves are sort of seeing so many changes and everything else happens. And one fine day, um, nature permitting, we would be maybe out of the woods, so to speak. From again, as medical practitioners, both of you, what do you think should be the uh, overall health and wellness regime after the pandemic when we are actually being able to then go out, move out, do some sort of physical exercise or mental exercises? What is it? What can we do? Over to you. Thank you. I'll add a note of caution. We've seen a decline in the caseloads in Mumbai, in Delhi, principally. But what we're now beginning to see is an escalation happening in southern India and eastern India as well. So their peak is still a way away. Secondly, whilst the larger metros seem to be much more controlled now with the availability of oxygen beds and supplies, it's rural India which is feeling the pain and part of my job now, I suppose, on a day-to-day -day basis, talking with all these NGOs, is just hearing the heart-wrenching stories that come to me from different parts of the country, people who are not allowed to see their doctors, people who can't leave their homes because they're being prevented from accessing healthcare, people who've been left outside of hospitals with drips hanging from trees, and I've been sent photographs of this as well. We've all seen the images of bodies floating down our holy river because there have just not been enough funeral pyres and wood availability. 
India really needs to take stock of what's happening and think about all of our brothers and sisters right now. And that's why we are also inspired through doing the work we do. So we're a way away from getting out of this completely. In fact, as per the latest estimates and Dr. Uh, Udwadia spoke about this on the BBC last week, we are 600 days away from reaching herd immunity in India. We have a long way to go with regard to the vaccine program, which is the only way out. So everyone watching, please make sure you get your vaccine and also make sure that the elders at home, your domestic help at home and everyone around you, your employees, your office workers, etc., they all get the vaccine. That's going to be the only way that we can go out of this. I just wanted to say that because I don't want the lessons to be lost of what we've learned from the second wave, which was because of human behaviors and complacency. Your question is absolutely spot on regarding well-being. And, and you know, I've said this before on your programs, Priti, self-care and self-love is not selfish. We need to look after our body, our brain, our heart, and our energy right now. And the simple things, the simple biohacks, which I remind people about, ensuring you get that seven hours of sleep every day, ensuring you're watching what you eat, you're reducing your sugar, you're minimizing your carbohydrate intake, you're maximizing your healthy fruit and vegetables, etc. Making sure you get those steps in, 8,000 steps, 6,000, 10,000 steps every day, connecting with your family, having conversations with people that you love, even if it's over a digital medium, etc. So we're trying to do our bit. She's obviously in the clinic every day. I'm trying to use the power of digital media. And obviously, I'm very grateful for people like you, Prithi, who provides a platform Absolutely. for this messaging to go out. Uh, and uh, and even on our own way, on our social handles, we try and create a bit of content every day to promote that idea of self-care, well-being, and longevity as well. Renard, do you have anything specific to add from a physiotherapist and physiotherapy point of view? How can we take care of our muscles, our overall mobility, and all the rest of it? Over to you. Yeah, I think just generally, uh, the message that I would like to give people is just keep moving. Movement is really important, um, not only for your overall health, but, you know, it's, it's a feel good thing. Uh, that's what's going to keep you strong. That's what's going to keep your body healthy. But more importantly, it's to do these changes, to make small changes and to sustain them consistently rather than just to do it in the short term, because um, this is something that you should incorporate for your overall health, whether COVID is there or not, it's going to just help you in so many other lifestyle diseases that we battle as well. So uh, as a physio, I tell all my patients, you know, just uh, get moving and do a little bit small things, small steps in the right direction can go a long way. Absolutely right. Incremental steps into anything. Before yeah. we sign off from both of you, Marcus, you first. Is there anything that you would like to say to the corporates, to the individuals that are out there specifically for Meds for More today and everything else, maybe in another time, but for Meds for More, over to you. What we've learned is that small acts of individual kindness can lead to great waves of positive impact. There is no act which is too small for any of us to do right now. Everyone needs to, to lean in, to help out, and to stand up and be counted. So um, that's my clarion call for everyone today. Thank and you I so would much. Just, sorry. 
and i would just like to say that uh, we're really grateful for everyone who's come forward and helped with this initiative right from the people who have donated to those who are ambassadors for the movement right now and we urge everyone you know if you can be a part of this initiative that would be great but if you could help even one person you know around you or in your neighborhood in your own small way get over anything that they may be going through that that itself is you know mission accomplished for us so uh, we we just hope that this inspires people to go out there and do that one small thing uh, which could help someone else thank you so much and that is very well said you know so folks time enough for just about this you have been watching linkedin member spotlight we were highlighting meds for more today with me are uh, my dear friends and medical practitioners dr marcus rani dr rena mehta rani until the next time do take good care stay safe the website address www.medsformore.org is right here onto the screen log in do your bit jai hind and thank you very much thank you thank you